Thanks, Wesley. Welcome to East Brainerd, everybody. Great to have you here today. Hope it's been a great weekend. You're enjoying the cooler temperatures. It's about time it felt like fall or winter, whichever one you want to call it. That'll be fine. The, uh, uh, if you're visiting with us, I need to tell you that I, I do not wish to see you know, Sean White truly fall here on the stage. Um, however, he ran in a half marathon this weekend. And my feeling is that anyone who runs that far without someone chasing them uh, deserves, you know, whatever kind of comes their way. They do. They deserve whatever comes their way. And, uh, you know, Sean is about to turn 40 years old. He's about to turn 40. And so as he's getting closer and closer to that time. And so things are just a little bit more difficult for him these days. And I'm sorry about that. That it's um, you know happening, uh, but but I do know that um, he he ran yesterday with some 50-year-olds that never came in today with crutches. Did not come in with a single crutch. Uh, Aaron's here, no no crutch. Uh, yesterday was Tim Evans' birthday. He ran on his birthday, right? A big birthday, Tim. It was a big birthday. I mean, a big birthday. And you ran on your birthday to show, that, show Sean that um, it can be done. It can be done, even when you're 50. That's great. That is awesome. Hey, uh, it is great to have everybody here. We, yesterday was a big day. Yes, there were marathons and half marathons that were going on. Miss Beautiful Pageant was here, and it was great to be able to host that. And again, thanks uh, to everyone who volunteered to help in that day. There were 25 Women who were here to be celebrated. Uh, we are all uniquely made by God, and it was great to be able to celebrate them yesterday with their family and with their friends. And again, uh, thanks to uh, the Gobbles for uh, their uh, love for this and for the fact that uh, they continue to put this on, especially Caitlin. Thanks so much for her passion for this, and it was great to again be a part of. So I said, hey, I want you to leave up, because they did so much work to, to have this happen. I wanted them to leave up the centerpiece that was here on the stage, because I thought some of you might also want to come and get your picture made, right? I mean, this is really nice. And I know it says MB right here behind me, um, and Miss Beautiful is over, but that, that's all right. We're going to leave this up anyway, and you have, a, you have a trophy that you can hold. It says you're the grooviest, all right? So you can hold this trophy. You can stand up, and if anybody says, well, what does MB stand for? Well, you can say it stands for my baptism, and you can say, hey, I was celebrating with the Lord, and this is what we do at East Brainer. We, we, we got this great backdrop, and this is my baptism, or maybe you need to apologize to someone, and you can get your picture made, and that stands for my bad. Sorry. <laughs> you know, just, just kind of send that text to them and let them know, and hey, I'm, I'm really, um, you know, sorry about that. Or come up here with your significant other, and it can stand for my boo, right? And it, you, just, you just go with it, all right? Well, we're going to leave this up for you to be able, be able to enjoy and to, uh, to, to take some pictures if, if you would like. Or just to have something to focus on during the lesson. You can do that too. Uh, speaking of the lesson, we are finishing up a series where we have focused for a few weeks on the marrieds who are a part of our church family. And uh, then we went and kind of 
did a little pivot and we began to focus on those who are single and a part of our, of our church family. And, and we're going to wrap, wrap this whole series up today and try to put a nice little, nice little bow on it. You might not realize this, but according to the U.S. Census Bureau, almost 50% of U.S. adults are single. Yeah. Almost 50% of U.S. adults are single. That's 117 million Americans. 170 million that are age 18 and over. That means nearly every other adult that you meet or know is someone who has either never been married or someone who is divorced or it's someone who is widowed. Now, back just 16 years ago, 2006, this number was 80 million. So there has been an increase of 46% over these 16 years. So what it means is that if you're single here this morning, or if you're listening to us online, the single men and women who are part of our church family are actually more the rule in our society than the exception. So I want you to be excited about being single. So look what we got for you up here, guys, right? I want you to celebrate. I want you to take a picture. You are the grooviest single, all right? This goes on your profile. Okay, you, can, you can do this, take a picture, put it out there. You're excited about being single. And, and so we're going to celebrate that a little bit over the course of, of the day. Now last week I told you about how that my cousin made an infamous chocolate pie. She made an infamous chocolate pie that she proudly brought one year to Thanksgiving, only to have others discover that instead of using sugar in the pie, she actually used salt. She did. Now, some of you asked me afterwards if that was just a preacher story, okay? You came up, you're like, that's got to be just a preacher story, right? You know, that type of allegory that preachers use to make a good point every now and then, but it lacks just a touch of validity. Well, I'm, happily, or I'm happy to tell you, or I'm sad to tell you, that that actually happened, okay? That actually happened, and now every Thanksgiving since, she has questioned about whether or not the pie has a little bit something extra that does not belong. So it's true. True all the way. And it's also true that many singles are walking around with something that's a little bit extra that only serves to, to ruin what should be a wonderful season of life. And so last week we talked about how that the salt that was in, that was in your pie there is anxiety. Anxiety. It's so pervasive in the different singles that I speak with. Singles are worried about school. And they're worried about their job. And they're worried about relationships. Singles are worried about money. They're worried about the perception that other people have of them because, well, they're, they're single. And many times these worries are magnified because they are facing life alone. So last week we discussed that that extra ingredient that, that's a part, that, how that, that anxiety just begins to, to kind of crush things and it doesn't give you the life, the, the joy that you need to have. And we talked about getting rid of that extra ingredient. And so we said, look, we're going to make ourselves a little bit of a note. Just like we did for the married couples, we're going to say, dear single me. And we said, dear single me, abandon the anxiety and, and let's trust that, God, trust that God is with you. Remember we said that even though you, you might be single, you are never alone. And we praise God for that. Now there are some who are single by choice. You're single by choice. Family obligations educational pursuits, business plans. I mean, life is complicated enough without having relationship drama to have to, have to deal with. 
You're like, hey, I'm, I'm enjoying being on my own. I, I, I enjoy this. I've got everything like I wanted in my apartment or my, or my house. And I, I, I can go when I want to. I can come when I want to. I can do whatever I want. I can come and go. It's going to be a great, it's a great time of life for me. But others are single by circumstance. And that includes 80 to 90% of American singles. It's not that you, you don't want to be in a relationship. It's just that for one reason or another, it just hasn't worked out for you. Previous relationships have failed, or, or maybe your spouse died. You endured a divorce. You just haven't found that Mr. or Mrs. Right. And so, so you're looking, and you're swiping, and you're praying that the right person is out there somewhere. Now look, no, no matter why you are single, I want you to know that you are currently in an exciting season of life that are filled with opportunities that are very unique to you. The, the New Testament says that the highest motivation for staying single, in fact, is that you have more opportunity to serve within the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you, those of you who are single in the room, who are single, a part of our family, use this time for God's glory and don't be in a hurry to trade one season in for another. Don't be trying to look to move from, from one stage of life into, into the next, but instead enjoy the patience that comes to the Spirit of God. But look, I'm not naive. I'm not naive, and I understand that many singles are looking to put a ring on it, all right? So what I want us to do, uh, just for a few minutes, I just want to talk about things that, look, if you are single by circumstance, and if you're one of those that, hey, you're in the market, you know? You are in the market, and you are available, which every, all these young people over to my right, they're like, that's me. I am in the market, and I am available. If that's you, I want you to listen up for a few minutes as we talk about this together. And if you guys, man, you were already in the market and now you are off the market. I mean, you are off the market and you are married. Do not zone out on me as we're talking about this. Instead, I would love for you to be in prayer for those who are single, who are part of our family, and who are listening to this message, who are taking down some different notes. Maybe as we go through this, you think about your own children. Maybe you think about your grandchildren. Be sure to stay with me as we are, as we're working through this together. So where are we going to go with this? Take out your Bibles and go to your Old Testament. And I want you to find one of those dusty books that are in there. It's called Judges, okay? Go find Judges, and, and that's, where we're going to, that's where we're going to start. And what we're going to do for the next few minutes, we're going to look at, at a singular event in the life of a single guy that was named Samson. Now, you guys might know him as being the, the strongest dude that's mentioned there in the Bible, but when it comes to relationships with the opposite sex, Samson just did not stand a chance. He was very weak when it came to his relationship. And so his life is kind of a, a spiritual soap opera. So what you have between chapters 13 and 15, there in Judges, you've got about a 20-year period where Samson is a judge over Israel. And here's what you'll catch if you just sit down and you just start to read about about his story. A significant amount of Hebrew scripture is actually committed to telling us about his failed romantic relationships. And so what I want you to do is look at this chapter from, look at a little chapter from his life in order to discover some ingredients that maybe need to be left out of your relationship pursuits. So we're going to be in Judges chapter 14. All right, Judges chapter 14. That's where we're going to start. And it says in verse 1 that Samson went down to Timnah. He went down to Timnah. 
Now, Timna is about a four or five mile trek south of where Samson lives. He lived up in the hills, and Timna was down in the valley. But Timna was in the Philistine territory. And so when it says that Samson goes down to Timna, it's telling us something not just about his geography and where he was going in that direction, but it also tells us something about the spiritual direction of his life. You see, God had made it clear, Deuteronomy 7, Exodus 34, he had made it clear that his people, the Israelites, the children of God, were not to intermarry with the people who were like the Philistines. The Philistines who were down in Timnah, they worshipped false gods and deities. They worshipped the god of fertility, the god of, uh, of sexual enjoyment. They, they had temple prostitutes. The Philistine women were known for their provocative dress. And Samson knows these things. But he makes his way down to Timnah. And so here's the first mistake. Here's the first in, ingredient that, that Samson then goes and puts into, into his life. He makes the mistake in that he goes looking in the wrong place. He just goes looking in the wrong place. And the more I talk to single adults, the more I'm convinced that this is a significant temptation for many of you guys, just for the simple fact that, that well, if you go looking beyond the boundaries that God has established, it significantly increases your options. There's a lot more fish in the sea when you go down to Timnah. I mean, maybe you tried to find a, a Christian at work or, or on the campus you, you, you've looked for someone who shares your values, who, who shares your faith. But now you find you're more part of a club scene. You, you're online. You're swiping left and right. You're getting frustrated with this whole process as you're trying to patiently wait for God's timing. Understand, look, God has established the same boundary for us today that he had for his people long ago. If, if you're a Christian single, then you don't need to be looking to marry someone who is an unbeliever. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 is a passage that, that's talking about our Christian lives in general, but I want you to understand it and focus in specifically on the relationships that you have. Where Paul writes and says, do not be mismatched with unbelievers. One translation says, don't team up with unbelievers. And then those of you who who have a little age on you in the room, you heard this verse years ago saying, be not unequally yoked together. Now, what in the world does that mean, right? Be not unequally yoked together. Well, the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians uses the metaphor of a yoke, and he, he says, okay, look, in this word picture, it was pretty effective in the day that Paul was using it because it has this idea of putting two oxen together, facing in the same direction, and they're going to go plow a field. Now, if you're going to send oxen off into the field to plow, you don't want to have one facing one way and then another facing in the opposite direction. You want to have them pulling in the same direction. And in the same way, Scripture speaks of how that when, when you're looking for a connection and when you're looking for a commitment in your life, someone that you're going to marry, you need to make sure that you're going in the same direction. And yet there's a temptation. There's a temptation, especially for older singles, to sometimes get ahead of God. And instead of trusting in God's timing, you just settle. You just settle for someone. In the hunger for a desire to have a relationship, you just settle for someone to ease those hunger pains. And guys, have you ever gone to the grocery store when you're hungry? You know what that's like? 
I mean, you go to the grocery store when you're hungry and all of a sudden you're checking out and you've got Doritos and you've got Oreos, right? And you've got all these things that you did not intend to go and get at the grocery store, but because you're hungry, every aisle that you walk down, you were like, mm, mm, man, that looks good. And some of you actually open up the bag of Doritos and you eat as you're going through, right? You just go from aisle to aisle and by the time you get there, you just lay the empty bag down and say, I'm sorry, I was starving. And I think that's what happens. We, we, we just go through this when it comes to our relationships and we just look for anything because we're hungry. And guys, some of you, you know this, but you're dating someone that needs to get put back on the shelf. You need to put them back on the shelf. And that might be hard because you care about them and you've been seeing them for a while. But if they're not committed to the faith that you have committed your entire life to, it's not going to work. It's going to be very difficult. How are they going to be your soulmate if they haven't even given their soul to Jesus? It would be kind of like trying to build a house with two separate blueprints. You wouldn't agree on the most fundamental of issues. Well, how are we going to raise our kids? And how are we going to handle our finances? How are we going to resolve conflict? What priority is church and faith going to have in our lives? And what usually happens is that a well-meaning Christian will start to date someone who isn't, and they'll say, well, look, it's not really that serious. It's really no big deal. We're, we're, just, we're just hanging out. And then the next thing you know, well, they're engaged. Because I've never seen anyone get married who they didn't date first. I mean, that's usually kind of where it all gets started. And so they get married, and, and then sometimes, look, sometimes things do work out. And I celebrate the fact that right here in our midst, here a part of our church family, we have husbands and wives who are committed to Christ today because of the example of their spouse. I'm thankful for that. But understand, that is more the exception than the rule. Because most of the time, what you see is, you see a Christian who begins to water down their faith and compromise their commitments, begins to negotiate their convictions. It just happens so often. And Samson, as it turns out, he wasn't strong enough to handle it. So he starts off looking in the wrong place. Here's the next mistake that he makes. It's also there in, in verse 1 where it says, Samson goes down to Timnah and he sees this young Philistine woman. He just goes looking for the wrong traits. He looks for the wrong traits. He comes back and he tells his parents, I have seen this Philistine woman and I'm going to marry her. She's fine. His parents try to give him some godly counsel, and they're like, look, I don't think this is a, a wise thing to do. You need to look for people in your life, you know, you need to look for someone who's going to have the, the same values, who's going to worship the same God. They try to tell him, but he's not interested in listening. And look, you need people in your life. You need people in your life who you trust, people who have the freedom to speak in to the things that are going on in your life, because it's very hard to be objected it's hard to be objective when you're attracted to somebody else. But Samson ignores their counsel. But here's what I want you to catch with those verses. When you read through verses 1, 2, and 3, you see that he focuses totally on what his eyes see. In fact, literally verse 3 says, she looks good to my eyes. Mm. She looks good. That's what he says. He was totally caught up in her physical attraction. Verse 7 says that, that he goes down and talks to the woman and and he sees that he likes her. He's made all these, these wedding plans. He hasn't even talked to her yet. He hasn't even had a conversation with her. It's kind of like that old song, Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? I mean, that's, he just sees her. He's like, yes, this is the woman for me. 
Well, maybe I need to go tell her that I'm going to marry her. And that's what's going on. He's just so caught up in how she looks. And listen, I'm not saying there should not be attraction. I mean, I would be a complete hypocrite if I tried to get here and say that it, it doesn't matter if you're attracted to the person or not. And I'd be lying if, if I were to tell you that the first thing that attracted me to Miss Tanya was her knowledge of the blood's clotting cascade. You know, that when she was able to talk about those vitamin K and the clotting cascade, I was like, "Woo! keep talking. That really wasn't how it happened. But that's what I tell my kids. You know, that's how, that's how it worked. I mean, Micah, your mom's, I mean, I was just so amazed at, at her mind. It was great in the way it all worked. But guys, if you're so focused in on that physical attraction, especially if we're talking about just looking for a lifelong partner, it gets you into trouble. And one of the great frustrations, though, for singles today is that it's just hard to know what's real about a person. It's hard to know what is authentic and what is genuine. I mean, after all, you go look at all these dating apps, and, and that's how so many singles now are, are finding connection. It's not something that's done face-to-face -face and person-to-person -person anymore. It, it's so much now done through social media and online, and it's just really difficult because you try to look at all the profiles and figure out who is the perfect person for me. And so I thought it'd be good if I just translated some profiles for you. Now, I'm going to do this first for the ladies, and then I will... I'll do it for the guys, all right? Um, so, um, so, gentlemen, if you're looking through and, and, and you're looking, you're seeing some of these different profiles, all right? And if you see this young lady, she says she's open-minded. It means desperate, okay? That's what that means. Be sure you're taking notes on this, okay? Um, outgoing usually means embarrassing in public. It's kind of how that, how that works. Continuous smile, Botox. That's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's what it means. Uh, romantic looks better by candlelight. That's how. Uh, that's just. That's just code. I mean, that, that's just code for people, and it's just good for you to um, good for you to know. All right. Um, so let me translate some of the guy profiles because I want to do equal equal time. Uh, so ladies, if you see a profile and it says that the dude is athletic, it means he watches a lot of NASCAR. Okay. Huggable. That just means he's overweight, has a lot of body hair. Good looking. He's arrogant. I mean, if a guy's going to put on there, hey, I, you know, I'm good looking, fun usually means annoying. And if you see that he wants a soulmate, that's probably because he's a stalker. Okay? So just know, if you see these things on the profiles, these are just good, you know, just good rules of thumb because it can be, it can be difficult. And look, we, we laugh about this, and, but unless you're in the middle of it, okay, unless you're in the middle of it, it can be hard to fully understand the frustration of being single today. It's just hard. Especially if, if you're single by circumstance. And you're just trying to get things to work out right. So if you are single, I want to encourage you to look for the right things. And understand that most of the time it requires seeing the person in different situations, in different seasons. It requires more than just a few weeks, more than just a few months. It takes time to see someone for what they are really like. And you know, a good place for you to start as you are, as you're looking at this other individual, you might want to try Galatians 5.22 as a checklist for you. Galatians 5.22, that's where you find the fruits of the Spirit. Remember the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, self-control. Why don't you just go through that list and, and ask and ask about the person that you're spending so much time with if they have these traits. If these are traits that, that are easily seen in their life. 
You know what? If you're married right now, why don't you ask this of yourself? Why don't you ask this of yourself? Joy. Is the person usually depressed or are they in a bad mood? Are they cranky? Are they usually grateful? Are they usually content? Do, do you, when you think of this person that you're with, do you think of them being joyful? Or, or how about peace? Do, do they have the Spirit's peace within them? Do they get stressed out a lot? Are they anxious all the time? Are they worried? Are they on edge? Do they seem to have the peace of God? What about goodness and kindness? What do they do for other people? How do they treat the waiter when you go out, or the waitress? How do they, how do they treat their mom or, or dad? How do, they, how do they talk to the people that they just randomly meet by chance? And what about self-control? How does the person handle their tongue? What do they say? What do they shout? How about their finances? How do they handle that? How do they handle their sex drive? You need to look past their appearance and see who they are, not just what they look like, okay? Well, Samson wants to marry this young woman. And so we read that what he does, well, he, he begins to travel back to Timnah, and he talks about how he goes to a vineyard. And that might not be very important to you as you read through his story, but most commentators is, that you read agree that it's a violation of a special religious vow, a, a Nazarene vow that he had taken. And, and so we read about him going through this, this vineyard, and then he's attacked by a lion. He kills the lion with his bare hands because, you know, he's Samson, of course. And, and on the way back, he sees this same dead lion, and there's this honey inside the carcass of the lion. He must have been really, really hungry because he goes and he gets up some of the honey out of the carcass of the dead lion, which is, again, it would be a clear violation of his Nazarite vow. In the next chapter, you see that Samson, well, he's going to the house of a prostitute, and so, I mean, there's just this cycle where things are just... just tumbling downward. I just want you to see how this happens. Because here's what goes on. When you're not honoring God in your most significant earthly relationship, then it's going to be very difficult to honor God in any other area. Look, I don't want you to think that, that you can just compartmentalize your faith and say, well, you know what? I'm going to honor God over here. And I'm going to do all these things for God over here in my life. And it's going to be okay if this relationship aspect that I have is not God-honoring. That's going to be all right because I'm a little bit desperate and I want things to go my way. And so I'm going to try things my way. And look, Samson looked in the wrong place. He looked for the wrong traits. And here's what happened. He ends up compromising his spiritual commitment to God. He compromises his spiritual commitment to God. I don't know, maybe that's happened in your life. Here's a very simple question to ask. Does the person that I am dating strengthen or weaken my relationship to God? It's an important question. And be honest about it. Be honest about it. Does the person that I'm dating pull me closer to God or do they push me further away? And let's be honest, for most singles here, the number one temptation is the temptation to compromise on your sexual purity. I don't feel like that I'm putting you on the spot because for a lot of married people in the room, that's still a strong challenge. But God has made it very clear that sexual intimacy is reserved for a husband and wife within the covenant of marriage, and that is a period. And anything that does not fall under that umbrella is not consistent with Christian discipleship. You see, God has great love for you. He knows what's best. And it's unpopular, I know, to say this. It's unpopular to talk about. And I know that, that our society has a hundred different ways to rationalize it. Well, I'm going to marry the person anyway, and everybody else is doing it. And, and man, that is just so unfashioned. 
But friends, look, if you're going to honor God with your life, then honor God with your life and include every area. Don't allow there to be some areas that are off limits to God. Don't allow it to be the relationship that you have with that guy or with that girl. The Bible says five times directly, 25 times indirectly. That sexual intimacy is reserved for marriage and a husband and wife committed relationship, covenant relationship. Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says that we honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. Paul would write to the church and he would say, run from sexual sin. Run from it. Run, get away. Now look, I know it's easy. It's easy for me to say this because I've been married for a while. You're like, okay, Chris, that's great for you. I mean, you've been married for 25 years. Easy for you to say. And then you also say, but it's just frustrating. It's frustrating for me because God has issued this command. It just doesn't seem fair. And if you could hear the prayers of the person who's struggling with this this morning, you, it would go something like this. God, it's not fair that you would give me these desires and then set up limits on how I can act upon them. The frustration is real. But if you're going to honor God with your life, then this area is included. Trust in your heavenly Father's timing. You honor him. You trust him. And he will give you grace. Let's jump back into Samson's soap opera. We'll finish this out. There's a seven-day wedding feast that is planned for for Samson and his girl. And this is all leading up to, to the big day, this wedding in Timnah. And in this story, and, I, and I'll encourage you to go home and, and you can read it, but in this story, the, the girl publicly humiliates Samson during this time. And, and Samson literally leaves her standing at the altar. Well, the girl's dad, the father of the bride, he's not happy about this. The wedding's all paid for and all the guests are, are there. And so he gives his daughter to marry Samson's best man. He does. And then in chapter 15, Samson doesn't know any of this has happened. And then he decides, you know what? Man, she looked good. And I want to go back and I want to marry that girl from Timnah. And so he goes and he gets his best goat to take to her to say, I love you. Now, I know today we take chocolates, but back in the day, a goat was a big deal. And so he did. He took a goat. And he knocks on the door of his father-in-law's house. And he says, hey, I'm back. And here's the goat. And he says, sorry, you can't see her. She's already married. And now the strongest man in the world is upset. And so Samson decides he's going to take out his frustration, the frustration that he feels towards his ex-fiancee and his former-to-be father-in-law and on all of the Philistines that are there in Timnah. And so here's what he does. He goes and he catches 300 foxes, and he ties their tails together in pairs, which I've got to believe is a lot harder than it sounds. I mean, you've you, you got to stretch before you do that. I mean, you know, you got to, man. And then he takes a torch, ties it in between the tails of these foxes, lets them go out in the fields of the Philistines. He goes all through the Philistines' territory and burns everything to the ground. And it begins this cycle of conflict between Samson and the Philistines that then would last the rest of his life. And it would eventually cost him his life. And all of this struggle, and all of this hatred, all this pain, all brought on because Samson had to go to Timnah. Friends, when we don't do things God's way, there are always consequences to that. And that's why when we talk about these things as a church, 
You know, we don't do it in order to bring condemnation or, or judgment. It's out of a genuine love for you to experience God's best for your life. And so if you're single, I mean, if you're single and you're hooking up with other people, if you're living with someone that you're not married to, if you're dating someone who doesn't share your faith, if you've turned to pornography as a way to satisfy what is really this relational loneliness that you have, I want you to heed Samuel's, or excuse me, Samson's warning. Samson joins a long, long list of people who serve as a bad example of what not to do. He's just a bad example. He got caught up in a number of relationships that didn't honor God. He disobeyed. He ignored godly counsel. He was prideful. He was arrogant. Most all of his life. But if you continue to read through his story, if you keep reading the story, you discover that God accomplished his ultimate purpose through Samson's mistakes. And when Samson eventually turned his focus back to God, he found grace. He found grace. And I want you to know it's still true today. And that is great news because maybe it's, maybe it's this area, or I don't know, maybe it's another area in your life where you've just gone off and you've just done things your own way. You've known what God says, but you're like, ah, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm only young once. I want to enjoy this time. It just makes sense for me to do things this way. And maybe you just added some things into your life, added some things into your relationship that just doesn't belong. And instead of now your single years being something that is, that is vibrant and, a, and alive and, and something that is truly God-honoring, instead it's a very cheap substitute of what it could be. And maybe you've learned that there are consequences and maybe you wonder if it's too late. Maybe you think that you've gotten yourself into a situation that you can't get out of. Yet I want you to understand this story of Samson, even though it is a cautionary tale, it ends with grace. And it ends with Samson turning back to God and with God always being there, waiting for that moment. And friends, if we cry out to God today, tomorrow, it doesn't matter. We will find the same thing that Samson found. We will find grace, and we will find his strength, and it will come to us in whatever our situation. So why don't we make a couple of notes here as we close out. Dear single me, dear single me, remember it's never too late to do things God's way. Never too late to do things God's way. You know, no matter where you find yourself right now, and no matter whether you are single, whether you're married, you've been divorced, you never too late to do things God's way. Just because you have had failed relationships in the past doesn't mean that, that there's not a future for you with someone else. Just because you've been hurt doesn't mean that there's not someone that God can use to be able to bring healing into your life. Just because... You have made choices that have definitely gone against the direction of God. doesn't mean that you can't make choices going forward that are going to be honoring. It doesn't mean that the relationship, perhaps, that you are a part of right now can still be able to honor God. And others can look to you as an example. 
So remember, it's never too late to do things God's way. And be patient. Dear single me, be patient. I know that right now, in the midst of it, in the moment, it seems like time is flying by. That clock just keeps tick, 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 tick. And you keep getting invited to be a part of everybody else's wedding. And you keep seeing all these pictures on social media and you keep hearing about all the different stories that people have to share about, about who they're with and what they're doing and what's going on. And you would love to be able to post that. And you would love to be able to share that. And you would love to be able to have your own memories pop up every once in a while online that you could go back and share and say, look what we did and look where we went. Dear single me, be patient. God has not forgotten you. And dear single me, choose to honor God in every relationship. Choose to honor God in every relationship of life. You don't have to get married. It's great to be single. Whatever your relationship is, whatever the relationships that you have, you choose to honor God in those. You choose to honor God in the relationships that you have with your parents. You choose to honor God in the relationships you have with other brothers and sisters in Christ, with those individuals that you are working with, the people who you are in school with, those that you see at the Y. You honor God in all of those relationships and bring glory to him. You be an example in that way, no matter the relationship that you have. God has blessed us all in so many ways. But I think one of the most special blessings that we have is to be able to be a part of a family like this. We're a part of a family of God that's made up of singles and made up of individuals who are married. And we are all one together in Christ Jesus. And so for the first three weeks as we were going through this study, we had singles who were praying for those who were married. And now in these last couple of weeks, we've had those of you who are married praying for the singles who are part of our family. And we're going to continue to do that and continue to mentor one another, continue to build one another up because we're all a part of the family of God. And so what I want us to do here this morning is I want us to be able to stand together as one people. And I want us to raise our voices up to God. And whether today you are single or whether you are, are married, I want you to know that this is an opportunity today for you to say, God, at this point in time where I am in my life, I am going to put you first. Maybe you'd like to declare that in front of this audience this morning. Maybe you'd like to come and say, I'd love to be baptized into Christ. I'm going to get my picture made in front of this MB for my baptism. And we're all going to celebrate with you together. Maybe you'd like to come before this family saying, you know what? It's time for me to put God first in every relationship that I have. And maybe you need to say, church, will you pray for me during this time? We'll have one of our elders in our prayer room also in the back. You go to the lobby and our prayer room is just off as you exit the main doors to the right. If you'd like just to have some private time to talk about something that's taking place in your life, it can have nothing to do with this message today, but maybe you'd just like to have a private time of prayer. We would love to offer you that moment. Single or married, we're all a part of the family of God. And friends, I'm thankful to be in this family with you. Let's stand and give God's praise.